Sal Barry. Old man Sal, he remembers the Blackhawks when they were the blackouts, when they didn't have their home games on TV. And Tim Parrish. He's a pest. He's a rat, but he's good. He's good at it. I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't want him on their team. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me is Tim Parrish, a.k.a. The Real DFG. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. If I was any better, I'd be twins. Yeah, yeah, I think you've said that before, and I said Sutter Twins or, or Sedine Twins. Okay, well then, if I was any better, I'd be you. How about oh, that? Oh, two of me. That's is, awesome. Is that a new one? Uh, yeah, that is, but um, I'm unfortunately, I'm, I'm not a twin. If I had twins, if I had like multiple copies of myself, I'd get so much more done. Like my card collection would be organized, all my freelance writing would be done, all the schoolwork would be graded. It'd be awesome. But um, unfortunately, I'm just one guy, and that's why we can only do one podcast a week. Well, because we're each one guy with different schedules, and then there's Jim Howard, the geologist, who's busy digging rocks or something this this week. So I, I don't I don't know. So if you're not moving, he's digging rocks, and I'm grading papers. So that's the the lives we lead. At least he's digging rocks for a profession instead of like on a chain gang or something. <laughs> So, um, I know it's been, you've been kind of a little bit intermittent the last couple of weeks you've been moving, um, and I'm sure you have all these pent up things that you want to talk about. So, uh, we're going to talk about the all-star game. That's going to be our big topic for today, but, uh, any, anything you just want to get out there, um, uh, any of your takes for, uh, the NHL over the past couple of, uh, weeks or past week or so? Yeah. Um, so as, as everybody has as well heard um at least since i've been on uh vegas fired their head coach um so that's that 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 happened a little little bit ago so it's probably old news for most but since i haven't been on the show i haven't got the way in on my thoughts on the whole thing um so if i may please i absolutely hated what I heard that that happened. Absolutely hated it. Didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. I was completely floored by the whole thing. And I think a lot of people were. And, you know, the more I've had to think about it, you know, obviously the statistics and the standings that Vegas had currently weren't horrible, but they weren't what it's been uh, last year or the year before. You know, call it injuries, call it a slump, but they're just not playing with the same passion that they did when they made it to the finals. But I hardly think that that's attributable to their coach. To go in and fire a coach that's got, what was his win rate? Like, it's like over 600, right? He wasn't even, I think he was above 500 um, as far as win percentage. And to fire him in the midst of a season where, you're almost still a first place team. I mean, they were only a couple points away from where they needed to be. So, well, it shows me, it shows me that, uh, Vegas went from one of these being one of these teams that had like this long-term vision and this long-term plan to like 
a team that just now they're just kind of like every other team. And somebody else said that. I'm not I'm not claiming that that's my original thought. Somebody else said that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? They're right. They kind of like you said, famously said on this podcast a couple years ago, the NHL is a copycat league. And it's like oh, one it team does something and then the other teams do something. So now everybody's firing their coach midseason because they want to become the St. Louis Blues and be like, hey, we need to fire our coach midseason and turn things around and win the Stanley Cup. And uh, I mean, obviously, that doesn't happen very often. No, and, and that's exactly kind of what we have here. And that's why you hear a lot of the the talking heads in the hockey world basically saying the same thing. Are we at that point where... You know, everybody views, hey, you know, look at the St. Louis Blues. They were last place and they won the Stanley Cup. So, hey, we can do something too. Let's make a move. Um, I don't know if that's really what it is because, I mean, look, you got a Jack Adams trophy winner, right? Yep. A guy that built, basically built a team and created a juggernaut out of an expansion team, right? Mm -hmm. He's beloved by the fans there. Uh, the team loves him. The city loves him. He does a lot in the community out there. He's well seen. People know who he is and they love this guy. And then to turn around and say, you know what? We're just underperforming, even though they're better than 80% of the other teams in the, in, in hockey. And not only that, look who they hired. Pete DeBoer. Oh, like, that's funny. That's the funny. Arch, the arch nemesis like you remember was it last yeah year? no of course i remember and yeah, yeah he's gonna teach his guys how to score four goals in a, a five minute power play that's gonna be what he brings to the team okay guys here's well, how and, you score five four goals in 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 on a with a five minute man advantage you know i mean that that's that's the thing you got the, you got this coach who went from being public enemy number one mm-hmm. to the, the guy that everybody had a beef with a season ago I mean, you remember that whole chirping thing that, you know, um, Gallant was accused of chirping players and he should have kept his mouth shut. And it turned out there were mics on the ice and they played back the different mics from the benches and essentially heard what he really was saying. And he really wasn't. He was actually talking to the referee and not the players. And it was just this whole thing that got blown out of proportion. And, you know, the two of them went at each other in the in the press. And it's like, you know. It's kind of a slap in the face to a guy that was kind of like the hero, the 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 fatherly figure hero of the very first sports professional sports team that this city ever had. And see, this was Vegas's first taste of this is the reality of, of the sports world and people in management are expendable because you can't really fire players. You know, those that are Vegas people that have come from other areas and things like that that latched onto this team. And I mean, just look at the attendance. I mean, they've been sellouts since the inception of the team. I mean, the city loves the Golden Knights. I mean, the games look like fun to go to. I, oh, yeah. I would love to go to one of those games. And you know what? I love the theatrics. I'm sorry. I, I do. I, 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 I love when they did all those things with the playoffs, with the with the night on the ice and, and, and fighting the whatever, like he was fighting the king in one round or whatever. And I I, I think it's fun. I, who cares if it's not traditional hockey? It's fun. You know, it's. Well, that's it, the thing. It's Vegas. You expect a show. 
When you go to Vegas, you expect everything to be a show. From the shows you go to, to sitting in a casino, to watching a, going and watching a band, or mm-hmm. going and seeing something, mm-hmm. or picking up your dry cleaning. Everything's a show. It's just a big show, because that's what that town is. So the fact that they latched onto it like they did as a fan base, you know, like I said, this is their first taste of it. They're going to soon find out, because they're going to get the Raiders, and probably an NBA team, and... We all know the Raiders are, well, the Raiders are the Raiders, and they're just a disappointment year after year most of the time. Well, but, they'll get the Raiders until they go back to Oakland again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. They've they've got that whole the whole plan and the stadium and everything else coming along. So, but uh, but anyway, I mean, back to back to the point. So, so you bring in DeBoer as your coach, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if as a GM if we were in the same position with George McPhee as GM because he's no longer the GM and he became the, whatever he is, consultant, president of operations, whatever that means. And Kelly McCrimmon's in there. Gallant's obviously not his guy. So a GM wants their guy or they want a guy that they know can be their guy. And Gallant just wasn't his guy. And so he wanted, he wanted a change for some reason. And Pete DeBoer ended up being that guy, which Totally blows my mind because think about it. Why did he get fired in San Jose? Well, San Jose wasn't winning. And San Jose went from being a fairly dominant team in the Pacific to starting to disappear and have talks that they may or may not make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And most of that can be contributed to one thing. The goaltending has sucked in San Jose. And guess what? Here you have Vegas, and ever since Flurry came back from when his dad passed away, he's been playing like not good. He's been sucking, essentially. <laughs> so, I mean, he's been going through some stuff, obviously, and he just hasn't been the same the same Flurry. So his save percentage and wins percentage and everything else is kind of skewed, and that's the thing. You got to have goaltenders behind your starter if your starter gets in trouble that can pull off some wins. And just like you see in Toronto – if it's not their starter, if it's not Freddie Anderson playing every night, they're not getting the wins from their backups. Vegas isn't either. The Sharks aren't either. So you have a, a coach that was fired because of bad goaltending, hired to coach a team with bad goaltending. I, again, I don't get it. And, you know, I can go on and on and on about this whole thing, you know. Th- this has happened to Gerard Gallant twice now mm-hmm. in a short amount of time mm-hmm. overall. I mean, the lifespan of a coach is, what, three years? I think we figured it out one time. It's, it's about three seasons. You know, he got tossed out in Florida, and basically they didn't even call him a cab or give him a car <laughs> to the airport. I mean, there were those pictures that came out of him hailing a cab on the street corner. Oh, yeah, that's fa- that's infamous. Yeah, and the fact that, they, that Vegas now waited until they were on this long road streak or, like, road trip to... To can Gerard Gallant, it's kind of like, you know, I hope they bought him a plane ticket back at least. Yeah, they got him an Uber. Um, yeah, I was I was surprised that Gallant was fired. I was surprised that DeBoer was the guy who uh, replaced him. I don't know who I would have hired. I don't think I would have made that coaching change. Uh, I, you know, there's there's one coach that I I like um, that's on the market right now, and that's Peter Laviolette. And uh, I don't, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Laviolette will end up on another team, coaching another team. Um, I think when you're, you know, when you're an NHL coach and you're fired, you got most of the time you have time on your side because your your contract's guaranteed. You know what I mean? So there's really no incentive to like, I mean, unless A, you want a job or B, they're going to pay you more. You know what I mean? Like Joel Quenville, when Blackhawks fired Joel Quenville, he was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to make my $6.25 million a year and not coach, go skiing, which is what he did, you know? And, and, uh, so. Right. And that makes sense for somebody that doesn't necessarily a need it or mm-hmm. B want it at that point in time, because look, it's, it's a grueling season in hockey, especially when you're coaching or playing for a team that's a perennial playoff team because mm-hmm. your season goes a heck of a lot longer. And if you're that good, like the Blackhawks were at one point in time, I mean, they're going deep into the playoffs, more than one round, two rounds, three rounds, all the way to the cup. So you got long, long seasons. So the fact that you can financially take a break, take a year off, take two years off, do whatever you want to do until you get that urge to coach again, you're doing it on your terms, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants you. Everybody wanted Coach Q. Anybody that needed a coach would have killed to have him. But it was on his terms when he decided to come back, and he picked exactly where he wanted to be. DeBoer hadn't been fired that long. I mean, he was still fairly a fresh firing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the LaViolette thing, I mean, him too. He's going to get another job. Heck, he'll get another job before Babcock does, I bet. Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm kind of secretly hoping that the Blackhawks uh, pick up LaViolette. Uh, Not that I have anything against Colleton. My problem is actually not with the Blackhawks coaching. My problem is that they change, uh, excuse me, they trade players as soon as they get a little bit good they trade them like or you know they it's hard for me to get attached to any blackhawk players like when people say who's your favorite blackhawk it's hard for me to answer that question because it was like i mean a year ago i would have told you man i'm really starting to like dominic cahoon well guess what i like dominic cahoon a lot <laughs> yeah i mean he's I a great too. player he, he he he's good and and i was um his, i was his on ice awareness is shocks me it really well, does. And you know what's funny was that, uh, like, last summer, like, or late spring, or it was, it was early summer, I picked up a bunch of his young guns for, like, 75 cents each or something. I, I grabbed, like, six or seven of them. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be on the team for a while. Maybe I'll get these signed. Maybe they'll appreciate in value, whatever. I mean, it, it just, and then he gets traded to the Penguins, and I'm just like, ah, now I have all these Dominic Cahoon cards that, do, do me no good. And what's even funnier is that somebody that I traded with in Germany, he's like, oh, you like Dominic Cahoon. And he sent me like a bunch of like stickers because Cahoon played in the German league. So he had all these like German league stickers. Dominic Cahoon. It's like, oh, here's some Dominic Cahoon stickers for your collection. And I'm like, thanks. But uh, yeah, he just got traded. So yeah, but look what you got in return. Olimata. What a stud. Sure. Um, so speaking of Blackhawks, cause I, I want to talk a little bit about Patrick Kane because, uh, I, I got to watch the game where he scored his 1000th point on an assist, uh, of a Brandon Saad goal is really nice. Uh, Kane to Carpenter to Saad, uh, for the goal thousand points. He's a 90th player to hit a thousand points. He's 10th all time. As far as American born players go 
and he is also uh, the fastest American to reach that uh, milestone. He did it in just under, let me take a look here. He did it in 953 games, and he got to 1,000 points. Uh, and uh, he's still got a lot of gas in the tank left. You know what's funny is that the way the the Blackhawks have not had very good seasons the last couple of years, but Kane has had his best seasons. It's just funny how like he had great seasons when they won the cup, but post 2015, I mean, he's won an art Ross trophy and you know, he's hitting these, obviously now he's hitting milestones, but he's been having like career years year after year, these past couple of years, uh, it's just kind of funny how that worked out. Usually you see like a guy have like a career year and lead his team to the cup. And it's kind of like the other way around a little bit where like, yeah, he did. I mean, he did win the MVP trophy one year. Um, but I mean, the Blackhawks were just so stacked that year probably could have gone, you know, to three different players. Uh, but the other thing I want to say though, is that I'm really, really, really grateful uh, that I was able to see this game on TV. And I had to put out on Twitter just to kind of show, like, old man Sal, he remembers the Blackhawks when they were the blackouts, when they didn't have their home games on TV. And I remember, like, listening to the radio when Dennis Savard was at 999 points and listening, and he he set up an LC cord goal. This was in the 89-90 season. And that was his thousandth point. And I remember hearing it on the radio. And I just, you know, Chicago Stadium was always loud. But I remember oh, it just yeah. sounding especially loud, that game. Like Pat Foley giving the call and, 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 and being all excited. And just like the, I could just hear like the audience just like swell and explode into cheers. But like, I, I never saw the play. I don't know if the road team televised that game because this was still in the day when certain teams like Winnipeg wasn't Winnipeg. They were playing when Savard scored, but uh, teams like Winnipeg sometimes wouldn't send a camera crew on the road. They wouldn't televise their road games. They just wouldn't, or not all of them. Some like some of them, they just didn't bother. Um, I remember, I remember that cause I'd like watch the highlights and sometimes they'd be like, you know, courtesy Pittsburgh sports network or courtesy pass network in Detroit. And like, they'd say, yeah, no, no, no video of the game because the road team didn't televise it. In this day and age that we live in with instant media, that just seems like a strange foreign thing. Well, I mean, it's even funny telling people like, yeah, I had to wait until the next day to see what the score was if the game went on past my bedtime. But if the game was too late, then they would just say the ga- it was a late game. And the newspaper would just say late game. We don't have the score. Right. Unless you yeah, buy that. the five-star sports final, right? And the afternoon would have the updated sports scores, right? Yeah. But yeah. Chicago even used to have something called the Chicago Hockey Hotline where you'd call and they would like give you an update on stuff. Uh, but so anyways, it's it's awesome that I was able to see that game. Was Does Kramer game run was... that? Kramer? Did Kramer run that? Kramer from Seinfeld? Yeah. No. Like he did the movie phone? <laughs> no, 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 no. This was, you know, it's, it, it's funny because. Um, Why don't used... you just tell me what you want to see? <laughs> You know, I think I ordered tickets on movie phone exactly one time, which was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it was an experience. So anyways, congratulations to Patrick Kane on his thousandth point, and congratulations to all the Blackhawk fans who got to see it either in person or on television. And the other other thing I want to say is that it's really 
freaking nice to have a first overall pick that like meets or exceeds all expectations. You know, I mean, oh yeah. Obviously, you've you've experienced that a few times. You've had Mario Lemieux and you've had uh, Sidney Crosby on your teams. The Blackhawks. Roger, um, well, yeah. Well, those weren't first overall picks, but those Not are first still overall, but right. But still first we, round. Yeah, I know, but it's. I mean, the Blackhawks have had good first round picks also, and they've had a lot of bad ones. Sergey Krivokrasov comes to mind. <laughs> Name a bad Blackhawk draft pick. Who is Sergey Krivokrasov? Right. I mean, that would just be like my. That's my go to, for like just the the bad drafting that the Hawks did for many years. And I, you know what, Patrick Kane was rated first overall uh, by Central Scouting. Dale Talon took him with the first overall pick. It was kind of a no-brainer. But I'm just, like, so thankful that he didn't end up being, um, I don't know, Brian Lawton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a good broadcaster, though, now. He's got a lot of insight. I mean, you, you watch you watch all the different shows. with a, I call them all the talking heads. And you get those guys that come on and like to blow their own horn all the time, but then you get other guys that have a lot of good insight into the game. He's one of them. So, yeah, he's good. You know, I'll tell you the guys that I like on that on, on like NHL uh, tonight. I like Ken, uh, Ken Danico. Yep. And I like Stu Grimson, but I I have a fondness for Stu anyways. But uh, those two, like those two. Oh, um, and Kevin Weeks, of course. Yeah, I like Weeksy and I like Rupp, Mike Rupp. The Rupp two of them together. Too. Mike Rupp and, and Kevin Weeks together, I think, is a great team. I've said it before. I think they should be put on a – assigned to a team and do, like, the color and play-by-play of the two of them. I think it would be, be pretty good. They'd be a do, they'd do a good job. I'd, I'd like to see maybe put uh, Kevin Weeks uh, between the benches instead of Pierre Maguire. There you go. That's a good idea. So there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. Please. That happened while I was missing. While you and were away. And that's the whole – Zach Cassian suspension. Oh, this old news. Water under the bridge. Two games. Let's move on and, and yeah. look forward. Uh huh. Well, it just, I mean, and I don't want to beat a dead horse because everybody's pretty much said kind of the same things. Um, you've seen you've you've seen the what went on, right? You've seen yep. the hits and all of that kind of thing. You know, yep. so the first hit, I thought. Watching it, to me, that first hit looked a bit high. It looked like he was targeting the head. It looked like he was targeting the neck area. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. Obviously, we leave that to the Department of Player Safety and George Peros, who actually said that he's going to be at that game um, when they play again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to sh- they're going to show up and be there to watch just in case something <laughs> breaks out. But. I don't know. They didn't call a penalty. The refs didn't call a penalty on the ice, and that was it. So, whatever. Move on. I think that first hit was a dirty hit. The first one. Okay. But anyway. Now, I don't have an issue with the second hit because he basically clocked him. I mean, that second hit was solid. I wouldn't call that one illegal, per se, but I really don't have an issue going forward with Cassian basically coming to his own own defense and policing the situation um, after he got his his freaking helmet knocked off for the second time. Um, and 
yeah, I understand you're trying to take this out of the game and take that out of the game and make it more skills based and not, not have fighting and not have the big hitting and not have all of that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. If you're on the ice, I mean, you play hockey, granted mm-hmm. it's, you know, rec league or beer league or whatever you want to call it. You play hockey, but if there's a guy out there that's just, I mean, he, he just feels like he wants to be a goon and be the old time hockey guy and he's taking a run at everybody. And you get clocked by him. Okay, you know, whatever. It was a hard check, you know. But then you find that he's watching you the whole time. And he's squaring you up. Mm -hmm. And you know it's going to come. You just don't know when. And then all of a sudden, you turn around backwards. And he's already coming at you. And there's nothing you can do. And you get clocked a second time. That's embarrassing. Because you know it's coming. And you know he's gunning for you. And you're going to look like a fool. Because you got laid out twice. And Cassian snapped. And I understand that. He goes off the rails and he grabs Matthew Kachuk like a rag doll. And he just flings him around as he repeatedly starts pounding him. Call it old time hockey. Call it whatever you want. Call it, you know, borderline assault. I don't care. I think he had a right to defend himself because he just had enough. And that was the end of that. So you can... Continued to beat the living crap out of Matthew Kachuk. Now, do I think Kachuk should have answered the bell and fought? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, obviously, everybody likes to see a hockey fight, right? Right. Um, But he's a pest. He's a rat, just like Brad Marchand is. But he's good. He's good at it. Like, he's really good at it. I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't want him on their team. I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't want Brad Marchand on their team. Annoys the crap out of everyone, and people can't stand him. But at the same time, you'd want him on your roster because he's that kind of player. I mean, he's a he's he's just a straight-up gem for his team. Um, so... I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't have to fight, right? Right. He doesn't because he's out there to provide a job, one job. And that job is to be a pest and to piss everybody else off to the point where it incites a riot and draws a penalty. And that's exactly what he did. He drew the penalty. They went on the power play. They scored and they won the game. So he did his job. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. So... You know, for him to play like that and play what they consider he plays on the edge or whatever, if you want to call him dirty, if you want to call him playing on the edge, I call him a rat. But one way or another, you know, if that's how he's going to play, so be it. But you better be ready to answer the bell at some point. That's all I have to say about that because you're going to get clocked. And one of these days, somebody that's bigger and tougher than Zach is going to come to the defense of whoever you you take it to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have to answer the bell. So Well, I'll tell you this. If I um if I'm the Oilers right now, and if I'm their uh you know, if I'm the Oilers coach, I would want all of my guys to check Matthew Kachuk. Like I'd say, all right, you know what? If Zach goes after Kachuk, and Zach can't be on the ice every time Kachuk's on the ice, right? So, I mean, this is what I would do. I mean, it's 
It's a league that allows hitting. It's a league that allows fighting. Um, I would tell, I would tell the, I would tell my guys, you know what? Hit them, hit them, hit them every time you're out there. I don't care who you are. First line, fourth, fourth line. You see Matthew Kachuk out there, hit him. That's what I, that's what I would do. You know what I mean? I'd let the team stand up, uh, for Cassian and, and send a message that that's what I would do. Cause, and again, this is within the rules, right? Hitting is allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, he gets the puck. You just knock, knock him on his ass, knock him flying. That's, that's what I, I mean. That's the thing. They've, they've changed the rules to the point where you have to be making, you have to be obviously making a play. You can't hit a defenseless player, right? Right. So you have to be making a play on the puck or on the player that is playing the puck and essentially make a hockey play. It's when you turn it into something that's, something different because like i said the first hit he hit on cassian cassian was kind of hunched over a little bit and bent down i'm not necessarily saying it was a blindside hit per se but i think he did target the head on that one the second one was a pretty clean hit it was just devastating um so you know but like i said at that point he had enough so he, he basically snapped but i mean you've had every hockey player pretty much in the league weigh in on this whole thing and whether they like or don't like either of those players, I think is besides the point. You have people that are, how do I best say this? You have people that are on the side of player safety mm-hmm. and advancing the game from a skill level mm-hmm. and taking a lot of that extra physicality that's not necessary out of the game. But you also have your traditionalists that basically frown on this whole thing and the way it happened and you know if you're going to hit a guy you better be ready to fight and so turtle gate as they're calling it is not acceptable in their mind because when a guy just turtles and doesn't choose to fight you know they're not following you know quote unquote the code of uh, of you know the unwritten rule of how the players are supposed to play and that's the thing there've been guys like that forever i mean I could think of one in particular, Matthew Barnaby. He was a great one that used to do the same thing. Rarely did I ever see Barnaby actually get in a fight. A few times he did, but most of the time he instigated to the point where somebody threw a punch and then he would, would fall or <laughs> drop to the ice and they'd get a penalty and we'd go on the power play. I mean, that happened all the time when he played for the Penguin, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I hate, I, I, I know I just used the word the code and I hate saying the code with the with the air quotes. Right. Those listening can't see my air quotes, but because um, it, it, it's cliche. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, should Cassian got suspended? Yeah, probably two games. Sure. I, I don't. I don't argue with that at all, but I don't necessarily know that Kachuk should have been uh, just left off the hook. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think two games was the right amount, and I'm excited to see those two teams play again. And okay, so Peros will be there watching and making sure nothing bad happens, or or taking very detailed notes of of what does happen. Oh, I'm um, sure the scrutiny is going to be on, and every little thing is going to be looked at. But until that happens, we still got to uh, get through the all-star break. So we got the all-star game coming up. Um, 
I gotta tell you, I've liked the All-Star Games three-on-three format. I went to an All-Star Game back in 91. Um, I mean, that was many years ago, of course, and the games changed. And it was fun to see, but it was kind of a boring game. There were no penalties. I mean, there was a lot of scoring. Scoring's exciting. Um, there wasn't really any hitting. There wasn't really any much of anything um, except seeing, like, the league's best players, and that's always fun. But it was just like nobody really, you know, I mean, goals were scored because defense wasn't played. Goalies tried hard. Um, forwards tried hard. Uh, and then, you know, they've gone through these different over the years, you know, with North America versus the world and, um, uh, you know, obviously Eastern Conference versus Western Conference or, you know, whatever, whatever they called it, Campbell Conference, Wales Conference. And then in 2016, they switched to the three-on-three format. And you'll recall that game that John Scott was named the MVP. I like the three-on-three format. I'm excited about the three-on-three format uh, that it's continuing. Not so excited about the jerseys. I think they're kind of lame. But I am excited that there's going to be a women's three-on-three hockey game. I'm really excited about that. My girlfriend, of course, is very excited about that. Um, I have, it's great so for I, hockey. Yeah, it is. You know, and I, I think, I mean, women's sports are a tough sell because I look at, like, how, like, Chicago has a professional women's basketball team, the Chicago Sky. And I would watch some of the games on TV, um, and they wouldn't have a lot of people in the stands, and it just it's just how it is, you know. I mean, and uh, that can change. Um, obviously, sure. the the women's you know the Canadian Women's Hockey League folded, and the National Women's Hockey League has got its I believe it's four teams, and then they I think they got a fifth team. I think they play against the Minnesota Whitecaps now. Um, I don't know if those are exhibition matches or or what, but. Um, well, and the only way you're going to grow the game is to do things like this. I mean, you're yeah. right. There isn't a lot of attention that's placed on, you know, that's placing women's hockey front and center for the average hockey fan. And, you know, last year when um, Kendall Coyne Schofield got to compete mm-hmm. and participated, and, I mean, the fact that she was able to go out there and just blaze across that ice, mm-hmm. showing the speed that she had, um, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, women play hockey too." Well, yeah. Um, so it kind of brought some well-needed attention to to the women's game. But you're right. I mean, they've been struggling so so far with, um, you know, having an organization that will accommodate all of the teams and all of the players. Mm-hmm. Um. Like kind of like you said, there was a WNBA team in Chicago. Well, there isn't a WNHL in right. order to manage and control to where the NHL can take um, ownership and management of the league and basically handle it, you know, as a top-notch organization. I think all the members that are participating in this are part of what the women's professional hockey organization, I think it's called, but they're all, everybody currently is boycotting the league due to a number of issues that are out there. So there's really no games being played as part of that. So 
you know, this is the one opportunity that you can bring together all of these athletes. What was I reading? There's like between all of them that are participating, there's like 30 some medals, like 30 or mm-hmm. 40 medals mm-hmm. between them from the Olympics and over a hundred world championships between all the participants. So, I mean, these aren't like, this isn't like a women's pickup game at the local rink. I mean, no. this, these are, these are good players. They got like the best players for this, yes. um, for this uh, women's three on three. So I think that should be, that could be really exciting. I think, you know, they're, they're building slowly. I mean, last year you had one woman participate in the skills competition this year you have uh, two teams of women playing three on three. I think everybody's pretty much, I, I haven't heard anybody complain about the three on three hockey. Like it's fast paced. It's exciting. It's end to end. Nobody has said it's boring. I mean, some people will say, Oh, overtime is a gimmick or the shootout is a gimmick in, in as far as hockey is concerned, but for the all-star game, everybody likes it because it showcases all the things that we want to see about all-stars. We want to see fast skating. We want to see, great shooting we want to see crisp passing and when you have that much room out there you're going to get all of that you know you're not going to get the big hits in an all-star game I mean unless Jeremy Roenick is playing because he used to hit people in all-star games um but um you don't get any fights unless John Scott tries to fight Patrick Kane well Patrick Kane was the instigator Oh, either way, I think that was Kane's only career <laughs> NHL fight. Was was does uh, that even does that even count as a fight though? I don't know. I'm I, just goofing. No, of course, obviously that was funny though because uh, Kane level or excuse me, Scott leveled Patrick Kane, and then Kane got, ended up picking up the puck and and scoring a few moments later, and then he goes after Scott. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that's the kind of silliness you want to see in an all-star game or even think about like the skills competition when like Kane came out with the Superman cape. PK Subban dressed up like Chewbacca the one year and I think he dressed he dressed like Yager the other year. Dude that's that's funny stuff and that's the kind of stuff we want to see and the NHL is just too like everybody's dying for personalities which is why guys that speak their mind and talk in front of the camera and stuff you know love them or hate them PK Subban's a personality so a lot of people hate him you know Guys, too bad. guys like that, guys like that that have, you know, I don't, I don't want to say larger than life personalities, but have somewhat of a personality that's beyond, you know, the pucks in deep and that rote, you know, script that you've been taught since you were five years old. Um, Hundred and ten percent. But yeah, so yeah, and that's that's exactly it. You you br- you brought up earlier when you were kind of going through the beginning is you're you don't see the the hitting and you don't see the fighting and you don't see um, that kind of thing. You see high scoring a lot of times. And also I've seen plenty of all-star games where it's like guys are just out there having a good time and they're not really putting forth the best, their best effort. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why I think the women's game might even be more entertaining than the rest because it's the U S versus Canada. It's the U S versus Canadian women that, have gone up against each other in world tournaments numerous times right. and have boiled over with tempers flaring and everything else so many times. So if anything, there could potentially be a fight in their all-star game. No, that wouldn't happen. Uh, potentially, though. There's probably, yeah, I think probably there's more a... potential there than there is with the men. Yeah. 
that's that's true. And you know what? The women, uh, I I want to say they have more. They have more to gain from this. If this exactly why I think that's going to be better hockey than the actual men. If this is well received, then this could lead to just something bigger. Yeah. I mean, I would I would like. I'll tell you really quick. Um, I know we're, this wasn't on the docket of things to talk about, but as long as we're talking about the women's game, this is what I'd like to see. NHL starts a women's league. They play in the summer. Start with six teams. The original six, because if memory serves me correctly, all six of those teams, original six teams, the teams own the rinks that they play at. So they don't have to pay to lease it. Not like that disaster in, say, uh, Phoenix, right? Where, like, you know, the Arizona Coyotes and the rink and this and that. And they're trying to figure this out and blah, blah, blah. And the money from concessions and all that stuff. No. Like, if there was, like, um, a Chicago team, the Blackhawks own the uh, the United Center. You know, Blackhawks and the Bulls own the United Center, right? And obviously, I mean, there there'd be some scheduling problems. But, you know, with, like concerts and stuff but like this is what i would do make the women's league a summer league start with six teams six teams that have strong nhl ownership again boston chicago detroit etc original six set a really small modest budget say like i'm just spitballing here five million dollars right what's five million dollars to the boston bruins nothing right exactly it's not like five Five million dollars to any any professional sports team is like a drop in a bucket. Right. You take a million of that, you make that for, excuse me, you take 2 million of that. You have 20 players, give them each a salary of a hundred grand, maybe not a hundred grand, maybe 75 grand, just make it respectable. Right. None of this like playing for free or playing, but have to stay close to home on the weekends or, or this, that, and the other thing. Cause I need to keep my full-time job, make it a summer thing. Give or up. everybody that wants to hire our band. Oh, you're playing for exposure. <laughs> yeah, exposure, right. God. Uh, they, do that to you. they do that to you, too, as a musician? Uh, not so much anymore. We know we know the ones to talk to and the ones not to. That's good. That's good. So, so what I'd say is you put about $2 million into payroll, pay each woman player hundred grand, right? And then you put the other, say, if we do a $5 million budget, the other $3 million obviously goes into marketing, promotion, travel now are they going to make money the first year no this is going to be a lost leader everybody seems to think that this is going to make money the first year as everybody has i don't say everybody has said but as i've heard repeated times businesses usually need five years in order to turn a profit it takes time to build a business when you had like these upstart leagues like roller hockey international in the 1990s People would, you know, they'd pay their franchise fee and then they think they were going to start making money like right away. No, it took time for the league to grow. I mean, it took time for teams to become stable, for it to build a following and whatnot. And when you have teams fold after a season, obviously you're not going to make any money. So if see the XFL, yeah, the XFL, the AAF. Oh, God, (laughs) that's so funny. They didn't even get through their first season. Tom Dundon had to try to save and it didn't work. That's hilarious. Yeah. So that's that's how I would I would do it. I mean, again, I'm not a businessman. I'm not a financial major. I'm sure somebody could poke a lot of holes in my argument and say, well, Sal, this is why you're wrong for this, that, and the other thing. And that's okay. I'm just saying, like, 
if the, the original six teams said, you know what, we're going to commit $20 million over five years, so say $4 million a year, put a little bit of that into salary, put some of that into marketing and promotion, and then eventually, you know, grow it, you know, because if I own a stadium, yeah, I could sell concerts at that stadium in the summer, but I'd love to get people into my stadium in the summertime, you know, and if I already have a hockey rink, there you go. Tim, I'll tell you, man, I am so bored with summer because of no hockey. There's no hockey on TV. I mean, I could watch, you know, a classic game or something, but I would love, and I know that they're going to do this three-on-three league that's coming over to summer, the three ice, and I'm looking forward to that. But I mean, when roller hockey was a thing in the 90s, I tried to watch those games. I was so excited that there was something besides baseball. I mean, in the wintertime, there's so many choices of what to watch. And in the summer, you have baseball and soccer and maybe lacrosse. Yeah, but most most of those other things that are uh, actually on TV are on like ESPN, the Ocho. So if you want to watch anything that's not mainstream... So, so what do you think of the all-star uniforms this year where they're <laughs> basically using like those music bars and then they're just like doing like uh, the team logos to me, it looks like a pickup game. Almost. I play pickup hockey. They call it rad hockey. And you know, this team will wear light jerseys. This team will wear dark jerseys. So you have 10 guys wearing white jerseys, but they all have different logos on them. Cause the important thing is that they're white. So it's just kind of funny that like, the All-Star game looks like a pickup game where, like, no two players are wearing the exact same jersey. But these guys are wearing white jerseys, so we know they're on one team. And these guys are wearing dark jerseys, so we know they're on the same team. Do you just not like the the fact that they're striped or just overall? Because, okay, I've seen worse designed uniforms but well, let's let's keep it to all-star uniforms yeah i mean i'm not a I'm not a huge fan of them they kind of remind me of like an old-timey jersey like pre-1930 style oh with the stripes just, just those stripes that's that's what kind of looks like that i don't like the white ones the white no. ones looks the white ones look silly the gray ones are all right you know they're going to give them white pants with those, right? They're probably... I haven't seen the pants yet, but I'm betting they're going to be white pants. Um, NHL yeah. has an infatuation with white pants lately. I could see that. I haven't seen the full the full garb. I've only seen the jersey. I look at these, and the first thing I said to myself was, wow, I like those ones with the neon green better. Remember the ones from 2015? Oh, yeah. Uh, that had the neon green on the, the sleeves? Yeah. Okay, and at the time, we probably said, what the hell, right? But now I look at them and I go, okay, neon green, sure, why not? Compared to this year, that's not too bad. Neon green would have been great in about, like, 1996. It would have, like, rocked. But by 2016, it felt 20 years too late. Oh, yeah, and I'm looking at this one from 2018. Yeah, they had a white jersey, a gray jersey, a black jersey, and a blue jersey. I kind of want to see those 90s jerseys, the 80s and 90s, the orange and black, orange, black, and white. Yeah. The NHL had a thing in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s for orange, black, and white because they were just basically pulling the colors from their logo. Um, since the NHL changed its logo after the lockout in 2004, 2005, and then 05, 06, 
they launched with the new logo where they replaced the orange with the silver, which looks a lot better. It looks a lot more modern, but I like, I, I'm, you know, feeling nostalgic for like those eighties, nineties, you know, when like Mario Lemieux had his like four goal game, you know, th- those kinds of uh, uniforms, if you remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Those, I, those, those are beauty. I always wanted a Jersey, but never, never got one. I had a black all-star jersey. I got it for Christmas of 89. Um, Never did get a name or number put on it, but I did like having it. I still have it. It's still around. I mean, now you could buy some of them. I mean, even like somebody uh, that I know, they they had one from the 83 all-star game. It was a reproduction. It was part of the NHL vintage collection. But it was the orange one that said Campbell diagonal across the front. I don't know if I'd want that one. Too much orange does not... (laughs) <laughs> my thing per se but yeah the the late 80s or 89 through 91 is when they and then 93 they really went to that design uh with the the black white and the um orange too much orange is never good because then somebody might mistake you for a filthy fan oh a, a philly fan yeah, that's what i said filthy ah i see yeah uh, <laughs> so are you looking forward to the all-star game um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Like I said, I always, I make sure I always watch the skills competition and I'm definitely, definitely. going to watch the three on three women's tournament. Um, you know, whether you like the three on three overall tournament, I, I think it's here to stay. Um, and you know, each year there's always some new rule that they put in and they change this little thing or they tweak this little thing. You know, one year fans get to vote everybody. Another year it's they get to vote nobody. Um, I think this year the captains got voted for by fans. Um, and then Ovechkin said, no, I'm not going to the game and I'm taking my puck and going home. So now Chris Letang is the captain instead of Ovechkin, which I'm sure made plenty of Capitals fans happy. Um, but, and then they voted, I think fans voted the, what did they call it? The last, last man standing or the last man in or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe I don't pay attention to previous years that much, but I think this year more than anything else, I've noticed so many injury replacements versus other years. Like there were guys that I wanted to see, you know, play, but they've gone down with, you know, gone down with injury because like Latang's now the captain of the um, metropolitan division but Ovechkin was picked as the captain but Ovechkin's not going and Latang wasn't even supposed to be there Gensel was supposed to be there but Gensel got hurt so Latang was his replacement and is now all of a sudden the captain that's hilarious so, so it's like you've gone from not an all-star to now you're the captain of the team um, so there's been things like that, like, you know, to not to beat the dead horse of, of being a Homer Penguins fan or anything, but Tristan Jari is going to the all-star game and he's filling in for, uh, what's his name? Corpusalo, Yeah. From Columbus because he went down with an injury. And so, um, you know, you got Jacob Slavin's going instead of Dougie Hamilton. Cause I don't know if, did you see Hamilton break his leg? That was nasty. If you go back and watch that, it was that was bad. Hey, um, uh, rewind a second though. Jari, is he even the starter on the Penguins? Um, it's a question as to whether or not you can consider a one versus the other a starter. Murray played pretty 
some pretty bad hockey there for a while. And Jari was brought in and played phenomenally. And, you know, with Crosby's injury and all the other injuries they've had, Jari's basically helped keep this team afloat. Um, so he seems to be getting the bulk of the uh, workload. And Murray's kind of taking a backseat, which I don't necessarily disagree with because, honestly, if we're going to make a – if the Penguins are going to make – I shouldn't say we because I'm not on the team. But <laughs> if, the peng, if the Penguins are going to make a run in the later half of the year and try to make the playoffs, they're going to need a healthy, rested Matt Murray. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind it. And Jari's been playing on his head. So, you know, why not let him in there? So – and that's that's kind of where where that is, but you know, um, but yeah, in, I mean, injury, one injury after another. Not only that, who was supposed to be the coach of the Pacific? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think we discussed that already. Yeah, a uh, guy that's fired. So what do you do there? So they actually, uh, Rick Tockett got the nod for that. So, I, I mean, how's that feel as a coach? You weren't picked as the coach of the of the team. But then all of a sudden this guy gets fired. Okay. You can be the coach. Does well, that, I, I mean, I think that's how do you okay. feel about that? Oh, I, I, if I was talking, I'd be excited. There's four divisions. There's, you know, seven or eight teams per, per division. Not everybody, you don't need to have, you know, not everybody gets to coach in the all-star game. So they picked the best coach. The best coach wasn't available for unforeseen circumstances. So they asked the next guy. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. If I was talking, I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel like insulted by that. I'd just be like, okay, cool. The other guy's not coaching the game. I'll I'll coach the game. You know, it's I think it's still an honor to be there. And if if you're a coach, I mean, there's two awards for coaches. One is the Jack Adams. The other is if your team wins the Stanley Cup, then you don't care if you didn't win the Jack Adams. So right. after that, there's not a lot of accolades for coaches. So I would honestly, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of fun to be an all-star coach. And I don't, I wouldn't feel insulted. I'd probably feel more insulted if I was a player and they said, yeah, Alex Ovechkin doesn't want to play. So we're going to let you play in the all-star game. But then again, I think as a player, I think the players who, you know, somebody like Ovechkin, he gets tired of being in the all-star games and he doesn't want to do it. Some fans, maybe like myself, feel that it's your duty to be there because the fans, you know, the the fans buy your jersey. They pay the tickets. They pay your salary. But then at the same time, I could understand, you know, okay, now you're over 30 and you're tired and your team's going to make a deep playoff run and maybe you'd rather have the week off. Like, you know, the first couple of All-Star games are novel, and after, like, a while, then you're just like, oh, this again, right? I mean, I I could see that, but like you originally said, it is an honor. You know, it's an honor to be picked. It's an honor to be able to go. It's an honor to be able to play because you're viewed as elite amongst your – and not that he has anything to prove because obviously he's elite, and, you know, with what happened over this past weekend, I'm starting to think and – not that I'm on the bandwagon yet, but I'm starting to think that he may actually break Gretzky's record. But um, so, you know, he's going to be mentioned in the top players of all time. So it's not like he has anything to prove by playing in an all-star game or sitting it out. But I mean, Fleury's opted not to play too. Marc-Andre Fleury. And so they put Jacob Markstrom in there instead. Didn't they make a rule a couple years ago that if you don't play, you get suspended for a game? Yeah, you have to you have to sit out the next game. I mean, the thing is, is that I could not imagine Wayne Gretzky not going to an All Star game. And that's the other thing too; it's a different time. 
So yeah, I get the injury thing. But could but, you imagine Ray Bork saying no to an All-Star game? Could no. you imagine Steve Eiserman saying no to an All-Star I game? Can't Brett imagine Steve, anybody from Lemieux. that era. I mean, no, nobody from that era. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, Lemieux didn't play because he was hurt, right? Or Brett Hall didn't play one because he was hurt, but he still made an appearance. Which I get I mean? that. Was, I get yeah. that. If you can't play, you can't play. You have a concussion. You have a broken leg. You have a you know, broken foot. You have whatever. You know, the one year didn't, I think Crosby came down with like the flu, didn't he? He played in the skills competition and then couldn't play in the game because he got the flu or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I, I get it. But to just opt out and be like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. The, the Ovechkin one rubs me the wrong way, I think, because I feel like he's smiting the league because they won't let him go play in the Olympics. I don't know. I'm not in his head, so... I can't, I can only speculate. Well, the Olympics was, oh yeah, that's right. The Olympics was in 2018. And did he play in the last two all-star games? I think he did the same thing last year, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. And like I said, I haven't seen most years statistics to see, but I feel like this year there's been more injury replacements than any other year. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong on that, but you know, other than Fleury and Ovechkin, they're the only two in recent memory. I think Crosby bowed out once just because you're right. Old era guys, I could never see them doing that. Really couldn't. One thing that's kind of funny, though, is that there are a lot of replacements, but like the replacement players, and I don't mean that in any sort of disrespectful way, they're damn good players. I mean, because you have such small all star rosters that. You know, okay, so this player can't play, so somebody else fills in for them, and they're they're still an all star. You know what I mean? Back when you had twenty one teams, I know I'm showing my age again, but when you had twenty one teams, twenty two teams, and then you had to fill not even eighteen skaters and two goalies because they expanded to eighteen skaters and three goalies, and then uh, a commissioner's pick on either side. So you actually had 19 skaters, three goalies. Then when you had like the expansion teams that weren't very good and it was like, okay, well we got to pick somebody from the Ottawa senators. Oh man. You know what I mean? Like, we got to pick somebody from the Tampa Bay lightning. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was harder then. Or like when you had like North America versus the world and it's like, wait, there's one player from Poland. Okay. Well we need to pick them so that Poland is represented. You know what I mean? And you got some guys that were like, NHL players and maybe solid NHL players, but not necessarily all-star players. And the Ottawa Senator I'm referring to is Peter Sidorkovich. He was in a thankless position as the uh, number one goalie for the Ottawa Senators their first year. And he was put in the all-star game and rightly so because he was a workhorse for them. And on another team, he would have had better stats, obviously. I mean, I remember watching him play for the Hartford Whalers and he was a decent goaltender. But, you know, here it's like, okay, so somebody drops out and you get, you know, okay, so Ovechkin's out and Chris Letang is in and, um, Hey, Latang's a good defenseman. Speaking of Latang, did you watch the Bruins and um, Penguins play on on uh, Sunday? I actually missed that game. Oh I, man, I saw There's... the Thursday game where they got shellacked, but I missed I missed the uh, the weekend game because we were busy. So Mark Brad Marchand and Chris Latang got entangled because Marchand was trying to you know mess with Latang and get him off his game and stuff, and he actually did. But it almost looked like they were like Latang wanted to like you know beat the crap out of him, and I was like, oh man, I want to see that fight happen. Latang would beat the snot out of him, but it didn't it didn't get to that. 
Yeah, it usually doesn't. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just like, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love it if the refs just backed off and said, all right, you know, go for it, boys. <laughs> Is Marshawn? No, Marshawn didn't go. Who's no. there from Boston? Pasternak. That's Pasternak. right. Pasternak, yeah. Because yeah. Tuka Rask was named too, but he's not playing either. He's hurt. So they took Vasilevsky. You know, there's 19 players. This is their first time going to an all-star game. No, yeah. that I didn't know. Yeah, there's 19 players. So the Pacific Division and the Metropolitan both have six first-timers on the list. Well, that's pretty exciting, uh, you know, to get some some new players in there. Obviously, some fan favorites um, mixed in with some. Uh, oh, yeah, Mitch Marner's first one, but Austin Matthews' fourth one. Yeah, Matthews has gotten in pretty much every year, but they've got um, Marner's new, Huberto, which I can't believe. I can't believe this is Huberto's first trip to the All-Star game. That's a crime right there. But uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, Anthony DeClaire, both going for the first time. Freddie Anderson got picked for the first time. You know, the Metro's got Nico Heischer and Travis Konechny, and TJ Oshie replaced Ovechkin. So that's his first All-Star game. Uh, Panarin, he's going. It's his mm. first. I mean, Panarin's a beast for the Rangers right now. And we've already mentioned Jari. This is his first time, but he's a replacement. Jacob Slavin's first time. He's a replacement. You know, David Perron finally gets to go, which I think is great. He's never been to an All-Star game before. Who do you think's going to be MVP? And me not just doing anything, just looking here. Let's see here. Who's central? Who's playing for St. Louis? Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. Hmm. Patrick Kane, Mark Scheiferle. I don't know if the home team's going to win it. There's no reason to believe that they would win it more so than another one. Um, so maybe I'll just throw out a crazy pick here. Are we and picking you know MVP or are we picking winners of the games? Oh, let's just pick an MVP. Hmm. I know that sucks because like if your team gets if they get eliminated then yeah I'm gonna go with Nathan McKinnon. Okay, that's a Nathan, good one. Nathan McKinnon is my choice for MVP. I think the Central Division takes it on the home court. Hmm, who do I want to pick? Yeah, because Pacific and Central are playing, and I don't know for some reason I'm leaning towards Thomas Hurdle just because it's his first All Star game. Obviously, a lot of these players are creative, but we've seen what Hurdle could do with a lot of room. This is his first All-Star game, so I'm not saying he has a lot to prove, but he just seems like one of those guys that is just going to, like, I don't want to say come from nowhere, but, like, you know how, like, you have guys, like, say, like, again, I'm going to refer back to, like, the 91 All-Star game when Vincent Damfus was named MVP. He had four goals that game. And, like, people who knew Vincent Damfus would be like, oh, yeah, he's a good player. I could see him winning MVP, like, back in the day, or people who knew him from Toronto. But if I tell people that now, it's like, really? He was the MVP that game? Not Gretzky, not Lemieux, not Iserman? You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say No, Thomas that's Hurdle. a good pick. Hurdle's, yeah. a, Hurdle's, a, Hurdle's a stud on a not-so-good team. Yeah, I'm going to say Hurdle. It honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that there has to be somebody representative of every team, he's not there. Right. So, the fact that the Sharks had to have somebody on the list, he's as good as anybody. You know, it was supposed to be Logan Couture, though, but obviously he broke his ankle. So, But that's a good pick. I still go with Nathan McKinnon. I think the Central wins it. I think McKinnon – I'm going to – McKinnon scores a hat trick, at least one. With three on three, that's that's more likely to do, yeah, and that's what makes it fun. That's why I'm saying at least one. <laughs> He scores at least one hat trick. And honestly, I could see, I say the Central 
Central beats the Pacific. I'm going to say the Atlantic beats the Metro because the Atlantic's firepower is uh, much more capable, I think. And then they lose to the Central. That's that's what I'm going with. All right. We're interested to know who you think is going to win the game or win MVP. Uh, so if you want to leave a comment or hit us up on Twitter, I'm at PuckJunk. Tim is at the real DFG. But until next time, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. <laughs>